Welcome to episode 62 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I am Chris Jensen, a PhD student at Florida State University and a bookseller at The Bookshelf. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And in case you can't guess, we're doing something different. It's all new, all different. <laughs> so we are, have decided to have a co-host on the Bookshelf Podcast. And that's going to be me. So welcome to a new and improved From the Front Porch. Um, we do have one remaining episode where um, I did an interview with an entrepreneur here in Thomasville. So that'll be coming up next week. But after that, it's me and Chris. Yep. <laughs> so um, today we are going to recap the books that I read in March. Yes. March in, in of March. 2016. <laughs> so Chris is going to kind of walk us through those so that it's just not me reading for 30 minutes the books I read. Right. Which <laughs> these are popular podcasts. That's People right. People listen to these. Which is really fun. Reading recaps, which is great. But I don't know why. <laughs> because it's just me. <laughs> so I hope, listeners, that you don't hate this. <laughs> because this, because it is what it is. Because now. this is what it is. <laughs> um, all right, Chris, let's do this. Okay. I am reading through this list of books that you read. The first one on the list it seems like you didn't really care for. No. So the first book I read in March, um, I actually had started it in February, finished it in March. The Readers of Broken Wheel recommend. Uh, it was a book club selection. It's a book that my sales rep really kind of pushed and recommended. Mm -hmm. And then my book club picked it up for our book club in early March. And I hated it. <laughs> and what's, what's so bad about it? Okay. So... Um, the premise of the book is one that I should like. Mm -hmm. So um, a woman from Sweden comes over to Broken Wheel, Iowa to visit a pen pal. Good. And when she arrives, this is no spoilers, uh, the pen pal has died. <laughs> so, and, and so um, she, Sarah is her name, and she decides that she is going to still stay and, um, and live out her vacation in Broken Wheel, Iowa. Sure. As one does. Mm -hmm. And while she's there, the town, it's a very small town, falls in love with her and she decides to open up a bookstore. And the premise or the kind of tagline for this book is a book for every person. That's not what this book is about. Right. Because that sounds great. That sounds great. And full disclosure, because I feel like I should say this, my book club was pretty divided. So a couple of members of my book club loved this book, thought it was cute, fun. They... When I kind of expressed my distaste for it, they were like, no, you can tell from the cover, it's a cutesy book, mm. which is true. So if cutesy is what you're looking for, that is what this book is. Cutesy, despite what some might think about me, is not <laughs> what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, and I was really looking for a storied life of AJ Fickery mm -hmm. type book. And the premise of the tagline of a book for every person, I thought, great, well, that's what I do for a living. Like, right. But the books she recommended, I felt, weren't what I would recommend. So they're real books. Yes. Okay. Which I think is why the sales rep was pushing it, because it's a book that's going to get you to read other books. It's a book that's asking you to read more books, which is great. Yes. In a bookstore. It's great for a bookstore. <laughs> and in fact, it works because a girl in my book club immediately, because there's a book list included in the back of the book. Oh, what are some of the books? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is what happens when you add a new, a new voice to the podcast. They call you. Um, let me think. 
one of the books she recommended was um, Bridget Jones' Diary, mm -hmm. which I actually have not read. I've, oh. I've seen the movie. Oh, yeah, no, I love the but movie. But I've not read the book. And that's a fine book, I think, to recommend. But it was like that type of book. And here's what I'm also wondering. This book is a translation. Oh. So it's written by a Swedish author, and it's been translated into English. That was, absolutely matters. Okay, so that's what I'm starting to wonder, because I read... Perfect Days, which there's a um, episode of our mm -hmm. podcast about Perfect Days. I'll link to it in the show notes. And I also hated that book. And mm -hmm. it was a translation, I think, from Portuguese. This is a translation from the Swedish. And it was an international bestseller. So I don't know if something is being lost in translation here. But like I said, a couple of my book club members adored this book. There were a few that felt so-so about it. And then um, a couple of us me included hated it oh. and and i and i hate that because like right. you said it's a book for bookstores really right um but yeah that was my first book of the month the readers of broken wheel recommend i think it was by um katarina Baval, maybe mm -hmm. um so anyway not my favorite we will still stock it <laughs> it is still on our <laughs> shelves and and here's the thing and i always want to say this books are so personal right and what i hate someone else may love and that's why book clubs are great book clubs are excellent just for that purpose just for that because even though i didn't like this book you know what i did love the conversations that mm -hmm. i had about it i love telling my opinion about things <laughs> and so and it's fun to do that because i think book clubs are safe place to do that right so anyway so wasn't for me but certainly could be for somebody else okay the next one on this list you did like okay which one this was, was Brit Marie was here okay Brit Marie was here which is also a translation mm -hmm. okay so this is why I'm confused interesting if maybe it has to do with the translator and and what they uh, I don't know how they word things Brit Marie was here was written by remind me Frederick Frederick Backman um, and he wrote A Man Called Ove, mm -hmm. which you and I both know is kind of a bestseller at the bookshelf. Right. People love it. I have not read A Man Called Ove, but Brit Marie Was Here is an advanced reader copy I picked up. The book itself releases in May. And I thought this book was lovely. Um, Brit Marie is an obsessive compulsive, kind of snooty busybody. Mm -hmm. And she... Um, finds out that her husband of many years um, has had an affair. Mm -hmm. And so she leaves him. You kind of discover this in the first couple of chapters. And she makes her way to this city called Borg. Is that how you pronounce that? that? That's what it looks like to me. Okay. Um, and while there, she immediately begins kind of making a place for herself. And the community kind of adopts her. But this is not a cutesy small town. I was going to say, this already sounds kind of similar to... Okay, Reason it does. Reason. You're right. I didn't realize that t t while I was saying it. But here's... Okay. And here are the similarities. Both Broken Wheel and Borg are not cutesy Thomasville small towns. Right. These are dying um, kind of back... I don't want to say backwoods, but in the case of Iowa, kind of a backwoods, mm -hmm. a small town. And then Borg um, is a town that's dying because of a lacking economy. Mm. And the jobs have left the city, and so there just isn't much left. And then Britt Marie comes to town to kind of maintain the rec center there, which is hilarious in and of itself. Um, soccer plays a big part in this book. Uh, this is going to sound so weird, but she befriends a rat. It's a long story, um, but it's lovely. Like, I just, I loved this book, and now it makes me want to go read A Man Called Ove. Anyway, um, Britt Marie was here. I don't know if it was my favorite book of the month, but it was really enjoyable, pleasant, and lovely is just a really accurate word to describe it. It also sounds a little bit, the way you're describing it, like the movie Amelie. Have you oh, seen that? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Only Britt Marie is a little... 
she's tough to love, mm. which is kind of what I like about this author because my understanding of a man called Ove is that Ove, the main character in that book, is very kind of gruff mm-hmm. and grumpy and not so lovable. And Brit Marie is not so lovable, but you love her anyway. Ah, I loved it. That was so good. <laughs> that one sounds like one I would like. You would. You totally would. I still have the advanced reader copy. I <laughs> might take you out on that. <laughs> okay, what did I read next? I can't remember. The next one is The After Party. Oh, gosh. Okay, I read some really good advanced reader copies this month, which was um, one of my reading resolutions for the year was to try to read in a more timely manner some of the dozens of advanced reader copies. Sure, and even before we talk about the after party, we can talk about just the fact that you read so many ARCs. I did! How many? I think I read like five ARCs this month, which is great for me. And I read them, I'm proud to say, in a timely manner, meaning I didn't read them after they were already out. Like, I read them in advance of their release date so that I actually could submit reviews on behalf of the bookshelf. Like, I did my job this month, which is, which is a really great feeling. Um, so the after party is by Anton Disclafani. Um, she, her debut novel was the Yanalasi Writing Camp for Girls. That book was a major bestseller when it released. It was, I don't even know how this all works. You probably know better than I do, but it was a big deal because she sold it for like millions of dollars mm. before anybody knew who she was. So worth the hype. If you haven't read it, please go read it because the after party doesn't come out until May 17th anyway. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so read Yanalasi Writing Camp if you haven't already and Thomasville and Tallahassians. Mark your calendars because on June 25th, 25th? Um, Anton Disclafani is coming to Thomasville and I will fangirl and I am so excited. Um, she is an incredibly, in my opinion, very talented author. The reason I liked Yanalasi was it took place partly in Central Florida. Okay. And I feel like many times I read books where clearly they have not been to Central Florida, and there are just lots of stereotypes. You're from South Florida. I You've got to know what, uh, what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and, <laughs> and Anton Disclafani actually wrote really accurately about Central Florida and the culture there. And so that's part of the reason I loved her first book. The After Party is different. Um, it is not so much a coming-of-age tale like Yana Lassi was. This one is about 1950s socialite housewives um, in Houston, Texas. It was like, I feel like Gatsby in 1950s Houston. Sure, and the main character is named Buchanan as Yes, well, C.C. So Buchanan. That Gatsby might be intentional. I was about to say, that <laughs> might be intentional. Um, anyway, C.C. Buchanan um, is the best friend of, I think her name is Joan Fortier or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, she's this woman's best friend. Joan is kind of this mysterious figure throughout the novel. And C.C. kind of, I'm not going to lie, like she kind of gets on your nerves because she just is this adoring best friend who's out to take care of Joan who obviously doesn't want to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so... The plot just kind of goes from there. You kind of find out why Joan is this mysterious figure. Um, honestly, I think Disclafani's skill and what makes her such a great writer is the setting and sense of place in her books. Mm-hmm. So I didn't love these characters so much, and I really didn't find it to be a character-driven novel. Instead, I think it was a place-driven novel. I immediately was kind of curious about 1950s Houston, Texas, which of I never, places. right, I never <laughs> would have been, and so. Anyway, really, really enjoyed that one. Um, okay, what did I read after that? You read I'm Glad About You. Oh, okay, let's talk about I'm Glad About You. Let's, let's. Let's also talk about Goodreads, because after <laughs> I finished I'm Glad About You, 
it was one of those books that when I finished it, I wanted to know other people's opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to do that because nobody at the bookshelf had read it yet. Right. And so I went to Goodreads, which I don't normally do. I don't have a personal account on there or anything. And people on Goodreads love this book. I don't know how I feel about this book. So the author, Teresa uh, Rebeck, I think is her name, um, she is a television writer. Mm -hmm. And you can tell because the book is extremely well-paced. And it would easily translate to TV or film. Hmm. Um, so the the tagline for this title is what would what happens if you fall in love with the love of your life before your life has even begun? Hmm. And so I immediately thought, yes, please. Like <laughs> I, I met Jordan when I was eighteen. Great, I will pick this book up. Um, so it's kind of about these high school sweethearts, um, and now they have gone their separate ways. The book kind of tra you know transpires over decades. Um, Allison lives in New York City. She's an aspiring actress. Kyle is a pediatric surgeon or doctor in Cincinnati. Okay. And it's kind of how their paths cross over the years. That sounds great to me. Right. Okay, it does. I really wish you would read it or someone would read it <laughs> so that we could talk about it because I liked it. Everything was there to like. And yet when I finished, I just felt like, all mm. right. Right. Right, it just didn't fine. get you in the gut. Yeah. yeah. And and at the same time, it's definitely a page turner because I wanted to know what happened. Kyle in the book is Catholic and his Catholicism plays a big part in his relationship and his character development. Mm -hmm. And so I thought she did a really good job of kind of delving into that a little bit. You don't often get that in um, lighter literature. No. Um, so, I, so I liked all of the parts of it, but then the end... I don't know, and it's not that I didn't like the ending, because it sounds like I just the ending fell flat, but that's not really what it was. I think it's an incredibly realistic love story, mm -hmm. which may mean some people would hate it. Right. Um, mm. I didn't hate it for that reason at all, and I didn't hate this book. In fact, some of my friends referred to Readers of Broken Wheel as like a great beach book. I personally would skip Readers of Broken Wheel in my beach bag and put um, I'm Glad About You instead. This is one you just liked and didn't love. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I think that's... Fair, we can't love every you book. You can't love every book. That's true. But um, I want to so badly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you and I have talked before, the more you read books you love, or the more you re read well-written books, kind of the more you discover, oh, there are a lot of not great books There are a lot there. of not great books, which doesn't mean you shouldn't read them. That's right. Because sometimes not great books are great in their own way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're useful for different things, but then you read somebody like George Saunders and you just think, oh, this is every what, sentence yeah, this is important and <laughs> needs is. to be there. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think I'm Glad About You would make for an interesting book club book. I'd compare it to Shotgun Love Songs by Nicholas Butler. Oh, and that one's great. Oh, which is so good. I and I really liked that one a lot. I liked this book. I, you're right, though. I just didn't love it. And that's okay. And that's fine. How about Wolf Hollow? <laughs> okay, which I keep typing as Wolf Hall. Like I, right. <laughs> um, but I even kind of mispronounced it. Wolf Hollow, <laughs> yes. not Wolf Hollow, because, <laughs> because I went start, for Wolf Hall. Yes, every time I type it, I say Wolf Hall. It's Wolf Hollow. This was another advanced reader copy. Um, one of the other things I noticed in January and February that I didn't do was I didn't read very, mu very many YA or middle reader books. Uh -huh. And the truth is, that's because I kind of leave that up to Rebecca. Um, she's good at that. She reads those books anyway. Mm -hmm. And so why, you know, why kind of overlap there? But... I also keep recommending the same middle reader chapter books to people, and I wanted to kind of branch out and be able to recommend something different. Right. And so 
Wolf Hollow was sent to me by my sales rep. She raved about this book, which as we now know, may mean nothing <laughs> if you have different taste levels or different different types of books that you enjoy reading. But in this case, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so it's a middle grade chapter book featuring a 12 year old. Um, I think the main character's name is Annabelle. Mm -hmm. And Annabelle kind of lives this quiet, you know, you can just tell she's a quote unquote good kid, like mm -hmm. just quiet. Um, lives her life in this small town of Wapalo. Um, the book takes place between, I believe, World War One and World War Two. Okay. Um, World War Two may be going on. I, I, the novel, the book wasn't too clear on that. Um, but she begins being bullied, and not in a cheesy, over-the-top, middle-grade book way, but just in kind of subtle ways where she's not comfortable telling her parents. Um, it's this new kid in school. They're all kind of crammed. It's a tiny town, so they're all kind of crammed in this one-room schoolhouse. Um, and then the attention turns to, and now I can't remember his name, Toby, maybe? Toby, um, Toby is the town, I kind of the town Boo Radley. I, just reading your description <laughs> of this, I was getting a Boo Radley vibe from it. Yeah, and the cover, which is gorgeous, is even kind of reminiscent of one of the covers of To Kill a Mockingbird, right. the silhouette. Um, but anyway, Toby is kind of like Wolf Hollow's Boo Radley, and he is a World War One vet, and he clearly has post-traumatic stress before we knew what post-traumatic stress was. Mm -hmm. So there's some interesting elements of the after effects of war, how people are treated. They reference how Germans in their neighborhood are treated. Oh. Um, so there's really, what I loved about this book and what I love about great fiction is that you can kind of learn things about current culture. And so this book really highlights some of America's current issues with the after effects of war, immigration, mm -hmm. fear of neighbor. Um, very timely. It's super timely, very well written. Moms and dads will like this one just as much as their kids will. Um, I thought it was entirely appropriate for adults. Not every book to me has crossover appeal. Right. Some books are clearly written for the middle school age group. Instead, I thought this just happened to be a book about a middle schooler. Um, really liked this one. It, it sounds good. Yeah, it was re it's really great. Um, and maybe it's because I've been out of the habit of reading middle reader books, but it was kind of refreshing. To, I mean, the book had a complicated plot. Like, mm -hmm. it, there's a lot going on. Um, Annabelle and Toby's relationship is really interesting. She's kind of the only one in town. She and her mother actually kind of believe the best about Toby. Um, and so... I don't know, there's there's just some great conversation points in this book, which I am all for because I you know grew up in a home where we talked about the books that we read. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those that moms and dads and their kids can all kind of talk about. So I love this book. Um, I think it is also coming out in May, uh, Wolf Hollow um, by Lauren Walk. And your favorite. My favorite, which I can talk about for hours, but I won't, uh, is called This, this is, is Where, where You, you belong. belong. What a great title. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why I like this book. Books, I think, have to hit you at just the right moment sometimes. Right. And I don't know if This Is Where You Belong is groundbreaking information. I don't know that it's one of the best written books I've ever read. But my, I like nonfiction. I love memoirs. And I also like self-improvement type books, mm -hmm. um, depending on how they're written and how they're tackled. This Is Where You Belong is about finding your place in community. And the word I chose for my year this year was home because Jordan and I have lived in Thomasville for two years and the bookshelf feels like home 
Thomasville doesn't always feel like home. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thing to admit on a podcast that Thomas Williams listen to, but there it is. Um, and so trying to find my place outside of the bookshelf because I love the bookshelf, feel like I, I belong there, but outside of the bookshelf, where do I belong in Thomasville? So enter This Is Where You Belong, which will release in June. Um, so it's got a, got a few, you've got a few months on this one. It's reminiscent of Gretchen Rubin's The Happiness Project. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows how I feel about Gretchen Rubin and The Happiness Project. Um, but I actually liked this one even better in parts because in Gretchen Rubin's Happiness Project, she really did a lot of research through her blog. And sometimes that got a little old, right? Like, this blog reader thought this. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fine. But <laughs> this is, um, and Gretchen Rubin certainly did her research, but this is very well researched, all about place attachment and what makes us feel at home in a community. Um, the author, Melody Warnick, had moved from Austin, Texas to Blacksburg, Virginia. Oh, that's a big move. That's a big move. And she had moved all over. She never stayed in one place more than once, And I mean, for a long period of time. And so... She moved to Blacksburg from Austin, big adjustment, and she wanted to know, could she feel at home in a place quicker than three to five years? Three mm-hmm. to five years is what people say take is what people say takes um, place attachment, makes place attachment. You have to live in a place for three to five years. Um, and she wanted to feel attached before three to five years. <laughs> so she Fast kind track. of, yeah, so she kind of accelerated this process by doing 10 things, right? Divided the book up into 10 chapters. Some of those chapters included walk more, eat locally, shop locally. Um, it's not, like I said, it's not groundbreaking information. But for for someone who lives in a town like Thomasville, mm-hmm. it's super important. And, it's, and I can't wait to put it in the hands of people in this town because um, it's, it's a, an awakening to, hey, not everybody was born here. Not everybody um, is a native Thomasvillian. Some of us are transplants. And what can we do to be involved? Um, really interesting. I will tell you one thing that now that I've researched, I finished the book and, of course, did subsequent, subsequent research. Melody Warnick is a Mormon. Oh. And I really wish she would have talked about that because my understanding of Mormon culture is that you immediately kind of have a group of people who are going to take right. you under their wing. Um, because of the ward that you're assigned or whatever. And she references her church, but she never goes into specifics. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's intentional because I would think her place attachment was probably um, way more quickly than the rest of us because she's immediately got this church culture she's a part of. Um, so a community I, built in. Yeah, so I wish, that's my one now kind of complaint about it, looking back, is, oh, I wish she had talked more about that. Because I think even though those, the 10 chapters she wrote and the 10 things she kind of did um, certainly probably helped her develop place attachment, I bet she already had a built-in community in Blacksburg when mm-hmm. she moved there. Um, that being said, each chapter ends with like, eight or ten practical tips to fitting in in your community. Um, After I read it, I was re-inspired to walk to work more, which I try to do, but it's hot here, and I get to work very gross. And it's been raining so much lately. It's raining right now. You can probably hear that. (laughs) So, yeah, so I had not been walking to work like I should. I live very close to the bookshelf. Um, And so walking more in your community the chapter on shopping local reminded me of Carrie Rollwagon's The Localist, which mm-hmm. is a book I loved. Um, but also eye-opening that now that I am enmeshed in shopping local culture, buying local culture, it was interesting to me that it had never occurred to her mm. to shop local. Whereas in Thomasville, I feel like that's 
everywhere and right. we work at a local bookstore. Right. <laughs> so No, and in town like Thomasville where the main street dominates and there are local businesses everywhere that Yeah. That follows. So it was funny to now read a chapter about buying local and I kind of, I've definitely read that chapter but I skimmed in parts because I was kind of like well duh <laughs> 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 of course um, it could, because she talked about the importance of you know what local business does for your community right. but she also had great ideas and now I've contacted my sales rep and I'm getting her to send me more copies because I'm going to give them to community leaders um, because they she had great ideas for ways to encourage your community to shop local or ways to encourage your community to walk more um, ways to have fun in your community, to get involved in politics in your community. Mm. It was just really practical, down-to-earth, um, but she's very relatable, very pleasant narrator, um, and the memoir aspect certainly helps a book like that. It wasn't... It was heavily researched, but it wasn't science-based so much as it was person-based, which um, which I always kind of prefer. Story-based, yeah. I guess. The narrative. Yeah, absolutely. It makes, makes the story more powerful, and it, it convicts me more to make some changes. So, This Is Where You Belong by Melody Warnick. I cannot wait for it to come out. It's so good. It sounds it sounds like a great one. It's really great, and it's great for, for where I am in my life right now. So, What else have you been reading? Okay, so when we're recording this, it is March 25th, which means I have six more days to read. That's right. So, here's the thing. I'm in the middle of three books. This is fairly unusual. I try to read just one or two at a time, and... I can only do two at a time if one of them is not fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly, I'm reading The Excellent Lombards. That was an advanced reader copy that the book came out in April. So I've kind of almost missed my cutoff Just, just about. Yeah, just about. But I'm liking it. I'm not sure it's for me, but I guarantee you it's for somebody else. Because mm-hmm. um, it's well written um, about a family and their orchard and the decisions that they have to make um, as they grow older. Okay. okay, so perfectly pleasant. Just... I haven't gotten into it quite yet. I started The Nest last night, and I'm loving it. I'm not far in. I heard it described, and this is why I picked it up off the shelf. It was described as the family stone uh, meets something else, and then I tuned out after that because I love the family stone. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> the family stone is one of my favorite movies. Um, and anybody that knows me knows I love books about dysfunctional families. I just mm. do. Like, I can't help it. I, that, I'm immediately going to pick a book up. Like The Family Fang? Yes, I love The Family Fang. Um, anything like that. And The Nest, actually, that's going to be a great comparison. Um, the Nest already feels a little bit like that. Excellent. Um, the Nest being The Family Nest Egg. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, fantastic. Can't wait to dive in more. I'm ready to come home and read, <laughs> and read that book. Um, let's talk about American Girls. American Girls. Uh, I think the tag, the subhead is social media and the secret lives of teenagers. Okay. This book is horrifying, horrifying. Uh, started a couple of days ago. You need to read this book. I don't know that you, Chris, necessarily need to read this book. Let me rephrase. Parents need to read this book. Yeah. Parents need to read this book. I'm not a parent, but I am naive Mm -hmm. and I needed to read this book. I'm probably 50 pages in. I will finish it um, because it's fascinating. Nancy Joe's I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, Sales. She is a writer for Vanity Fair. I've read a couple of her articles about social media before. She wrote an article, I think, about Tinder. Oh, Tinder's the Night. Yeah. Right. That was a good I think piece. She was the, I think she was the writer of that. Um, so this book is written in that same vein, kind of undisclosing what happens in the lives of teenagers on social media. Mm-hmm. It genuinely, I'm not saying horrifying, like, to be funny. It genuinely is horrifying. Um, I had no idea. 
um, some of the statistics are absolutely astonishing. When I read some of the statistics to Jordan, because I was reading this in bed and I woke him up to read him these statistics, <laughs> he didn't act too surprised at some of them. Um, she spends her introduction talking about pornography mm-hmm. and the effects of pornography on culture. And I like that it's written from a secular perspective instead of a Christian perspective, because I feel like when people talk about porn from a Christian perspective, they kind of everybody kind of rolls their eyes. Uh-huh. Um, and I have, okay, I have opinions about that, but um, I like that it's written from a secular culture because maybe people won't roll their eyes right. at the impact pornography is having on our culture and on relationships and on our children. And so... The introduction's all about that, and then she moves into, she interviewed over 200, which in the grand scheme isn't that large, but she did some other research, interviewed 13 to 18-year-olds, and how social media was affecting their lives. I can't, I don't know, I have, I I just am learning so much about Snapchat, Mm. an anonymous Snapchat called Yik Yak. Oh. Do you know what that is? Are you too old for that too now? Um, I am a little bit too old for that. However, <laughs> I do know about Yik Yak. It's not exactly Snapchat. It's more like Twitter. Okay. But like location-based Twitter. Okay. And it is horrifying. Okay. I had it for about a month. Yeah. And I was using it on campus to see what students were talking about. And then I decided I didn't want to know. Yes. That, so my cousin, who is younger than you, she's 22. I was talking to her about this yesterday because it has completely... This is all I'm going to talk about for weeks now. Like, if you invite me over to your house for dinner, congratulations. (laughs) You'll be hearing about pornography and Snapchat. Um, So so I was talking to my cousin about this, and she had the app, and she said she immediately deleted Yik Yak. She she couldn't. Yeah. Apparently, it really is terrifying. Um, People were talking about me on there. Students that are... It was harmless. They were asking if they had an assignment due in my class, and somebody else responded with information that was not pertinent to that. Um, oh my gosh. And I was like, well, I'm going to screenshot this and email it to my class, but then I'm going to delete this app. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, sometimes ignorance is bliss. I really do believe uh-huh. that. I don't need to know everything. and But I am going to read this book because one day I will be a parent, and the world has changed a lot from when my parents raised me. And so I need to be aware of some things, and I'm a pretty naive 30-year-old. Mm-hmm. So... Quick plug for This American Life. There's an episode from maybe a month, yes. six weeks ago, about Instagram culture. Yes. Ira Glass interviews these three teenage girls who tell them all about how likes work and yes. the whole like uh, uh, exchange of capital, essentially, where you have to comment beautiful on your friend's pictures, and if you don't, it's a big deal. Yes. That, I listened to that episode, and it totally reminds me of this book. So if you liked that segment on This American Life, then you will want to read this book. We'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. You're right. That's absolutely the right comparison. Um, and that was that horrifying to you? Yes. Um, or at least eye-opening? I See, because I, I'm only 26, but that's still a little bit too old for Instagram, at yes. least the way that people are using it. Like, I grew up on MySpace and then on Facebook and then some on Twitter and Instagram is this new thing where I use it and I'm happy if I get like 11 people who like a picture of my cat, but then there are these people that get thousands and thousands of their yeah. friends. Oh my gosh. Can yeah, I, can I, I tell understand. you? Okay. So in this chapter about 13 year olds, so 13 year old girls, they, the author talks about Kim Kardashian's book. Was it called Selfish? Selfish. Okay. And I remember that coming out. We did not stock it at the bookshelf because there's no interest here. For no. That. Um, but the cover is Kim Kardashian's cleavage, I believe. Yep. But I did not know that that book contains mostly naked selfies of Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. I honestly did not know that. I just thought it was selfies. I didn't know they were, they, they were nude selfies. Anyway, 
she has a book signing, and this author goes to the book signing because so many girls talk about Kim Kardashian and wanting to be Kim Kardashian. And the line is out the door, and it's all teenage girls and their mothers. Mm. And I was shocked by that. I could not believe that. And so the author talks about this new brand of feminism that argues that, you know, that kind of lauds the Kim Kardashian type figure who's turning objectification into her own monetary gain. Right. It's so interesting. Something to be said for that. Yeah. It's a very complicated I was about to say, it's so complicated, but what's not complicated to me is 13 year old girls seeing that. Yeah. It's so anyway, Really interesting. I think the author, um, Nancy Jo Sales, really does a great job. I wanted to talk about this that book here, although I have not finished it yet. I suspect I will finish before the month is out. Um, God, it's so it's so eye-opening. And if you're a parent, you probably should at least flip through it. <laughs> All right. Good to know. So that's what I read this month. That's what you read this month. What you? What are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I am reading The Empathy Exams by Leslie Jameson. Oh, yeah. I've heard great things. I have made a new thing every Wednesday. I'm going to read a new essay oh, from that book. That's and great And it'll take idea. me 10 weeks to finish, but it's a good way for me to read things that are not for school Yeah. by portioning it out. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, I think this worked really well. I think we're going to be okay. It's going to be great. I think the podcast is going to be okay. <laughs> um, so you can check out full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes, or you can log on to our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at bookshelfteville, and you can find a full list of the books we talked about today on any of those social media platforms. We'll put a link in the show notes so that you can um, check these books out for yourself. Thanks for listening, and Chris and I will see you next week. Goodbye.